What happens when God moves into the neighborhood? We'll be talking about that and other ways of thinking about the Latino experience in America with our guest, Noel Castellanos on Good God. I'm George Mason. Welcome to Good God, conversations that matter about faith and public life. I'm George Mason, and I'm pleased to welcome to our program today, Noel Castellanos. Uh, Noel, good to have you with us. Thanks, he is George. from Chicago yes. and is, uh, continues to be the president and executive director of the Christian Community Development Association mm -hmm. there that mm -hmm. you've worked with for some 30 years. Is that right? Yeah. A long Wonderful. time. A long time. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, Noel, we live in Dallas uh, and you in Chicago, but these are two major urban areas. Mm -hmm. And uh, mm -hmm. some of us get to these places just because we grew up there or we chose to go there uh, for our job. Uh, but you made a very conscious decision to move into the neighborhood, you might say. Mm -hmm. So you've, mm -hmm. you've lived in the hood, as you, you, you like to say, for, uh, for these 30 years. Say a few words about this uh, this decision that you and your family made to yeah. move into the neighborhood and, and, and I think also some of the roots of it spiritually. Right, right. Well, actually, I'm a Texan. Yes. Uh, I was born in the valley yes. and uh, two miles or so uh, north of the border in a little town, Westlaco. Westlaco. And um, so uh, when I was um, uh, about eight years old, my family moved to California. But my grand, my great grandparents came from Mexico into Texas, and they brought my grandparents as dreamers. Uh, okay, they okay. were just children before we even knew the name. Exactly, and then my grandparents uh, settled there, and and uh, my parents were born in that same little town. So we've been around a long time, mm -hmm. and um, and my my parents were uh, farm workers. They would travel all over the country. Mm -hmm. They were, you know, born here citizens, but still really lived that little bit of that marginalized uh, reality economically and all. Yes. But uh, when we got to California, it was uh, my dad's sixth grade education. He gets a job at General Motors, mm -hmm. which was an amazing stabilizing factor yes. financially where we move more into the working class. So in a way, uh, my parents ha had that opportunity to almost begin to experience the American dream a yes. little bit. And in the middle of that, I went, I went to college, uh, but um, uh, right before I went, I, I had an experience with Christ, and it was my football coach, okay. uh, American football. Yes, American football, okay, very good. <laughs> right, right, right. Yes. Uh, that took me to this camp uh, and uh, had, had just a real, you know, just an encounter with, with Jesus. But, um, but I, I remember on the way home from that camp asking, uh, is this Jesus that I heard about just for white folks? Ah. Or is it for kids like me? Because I only saw like a few of us, mm. you know. And, uh, but that kind of began this faith journey where um, I got a college degree. My parents uh, had begun to stabilize their relationships, although we had, we had a lot of, uh, a lot of drama at home and all mm -hmm. that, but but I, I remember after after making the de a decision to follow Christ, uh, just feeling a very strong call to work in the Latino community, yes. and uh, I like to say that the first half of my life I lived in the barrio because 
that's where my parents were. Right. But the second half, it was a choice. It yes. was a call. Right. And uh, lived in San Francisco in the Mission District on the east side of San Jose, King and Story Road, which is mm -hmm. where the center of uh, the Chicano movement was. Mm -hmm. uh, right. And then uh, 30 years ago, I moved to uh, another Mexican barrio called Little Village or La Villita. Mm -hmm. And that's where we've been for all this time. Uh, planted a church, uh, did a, a community development ministry in that community. And then uh, about after 10 years, I uh, made the, the change to lead CCDA, which was instrumental in helping me go to uh, Chicago with Wonderful. this. Yeah. Wonderful. Now, uh, you, you like to talk about how God uh, in Jesus is, um, uh, is in the business of teaching us about downward mobility. Yeah, yeah. And in fact, that sort of starts with the whole incarnation to begin with, right, uh, right. the way God, where God chose to enter the world, right? Right, right. Yeah, no, I, I think this, uh, it, it was really a, a Roman Catholic priest by the mm -hmm. name of Virgilio Elizondo, who's mm -hmm. from San Antonio, okay. that uh, I, he wrote a book called uh, The Galilean Journey. Yes. And, and it really was an amazing uh, kind of experience to read that book because, first of all, I had not read any Mexican-American authors, theologians. Mm -hmm. And uh, so, uh, while theologically there might be a few uh, conclusions that we come to that are a little different, the work he did on connecting the the reality of Galilee to the reality of Mexican Americans in this mm -hmm. country, mm -hmm. uh, uh, it's a little insignificant place right. uh, in you know in Palestine and uh, how uh, it was not the center of power. It was a place that's, that's uh, experienced all kinds of, of intermixing with other cultures, religions, and, right. and, and so to be a Jew there was, was really important, and, and you had to really be serious about it, but always with the, uh, with the kind of the marker that uh, other Jews, especially from Jerusalem, look down on you. Yes, you know, right, and so so it's not hard to make the connection, no, is it, between no, no. those who are in power, yep. and, and those who have the majority of the wealth in this country, yeah. and just from an ethnic standpoint, uh, yeah. mostly white Americans. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and so th there's a, there's a tension there. Yeah, you, you you like to talk about also. I've I've heard you say that. We've sort of sanitized salvation yeah, uh, yeah. In, in our culture. That right. we we've sort of um, shined it up in certain ways that we we forget really what's at stake yeah. and how it comes to pass. Yeah. If if we were to remember, if we were to really come to grips with it, tell us more about the direction that should take in our lives. Yeah, I I think that uh, the the uh, making of uh, of a, of a respectable Christianity, okay, has mm -hmm. really hurt us, I think. Yeah. Because as we begin to uh, achieve a trajectory that leads to more wealth, more, uh, more assets, more security, more mm -hmm. power, uh, all of a sudden we become very far removed from the place where Christianity started, you right. know, uh, in, in that marginal space, mm -hmm. the Galilean kind of paradigm. But 
what what uh, what you see is you know the the idea that uh, Jesus spent all his time almost in Galilee. The only significant, uh, you know, he passes through Jerusalem when he's mm -hmm. on his way to uh, Bethlehem to mm -hmm. be, you know, mm -hmm. his family does right. in his mom's belly. Yes. But then it's, uh, you know, uh, when he's crucified. And, uh, and so the whole tension of the gospel story is a tension of a, a, uh, a people and the religious establishment that should see Okay, that mm -hmm. uh, what Jesus is talking about uh, is, uh, it, it, you know, like they say, he spoke with authority, and they, his miracles and all. But 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 in fact, what happens is uh, he is a threat both to the religious establishment and to the Roman Empire because they were calling him king. And okay, but Noel, now you're getting political. Yes. Now you're getting into social and political kinds of things, why can't you just keep it spiritual? See, oh, because man. that, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I'm I, taunting I, you a little I, bit I, here, I know, but, I know. but you yeah. know, this is what we struggle with, right? Yeah, well, I, I mean, I think what I love about the Bible is uh, we, we see it as this sanitized, uh, sacred book, but mm -hmm. it's the story, yeah. uh, you know, of uh, kings and kingdoms and wars and, uh, you know, mm -hmm. all kinds of craziness. Uh, sin, yes. which is prominent, and and so the, the this backdrop is just part of the story, and and I think the fact that Jesus is raised at a time of Roman occupation, yes, uh, that's I mean we can't deny that that's that's part. So what does that mean, right? Obviously, um, there is a temptation for in our day to to to, to make Jesus a revolutionary. That's trying to establish the kingdom by, uh, you know, confronting the powers and all. Well, in fact, uh, so much of his message, uh, if we understand the context, felt subversive. Yes. Okay. And so I, I talk about the cross being this very scandalous object of capital punishment, right? right? And so the idea, uh, you know, I, I ask myself, why would God choose that method? to bring salvation to the world. Uh, because we see salvation as uh, uh, the, the church is a steward of salvation, right. in a sense, right? We dole it out yes. to whom we wish. Yes, yes. And uh, we discriminate based upon whether they seem respectable and good enough, right? And we own the, ob we own the image, yes. the cross. Mm -hmm. and, and the cross that we see today is usually a very ch shiny, yes. you know, ornate object, unlike the Roman Catholic uh, cross that's a crucifix right. with the suffering Jesus still we on it. We have to look at him, don't we? Right. Look and, at the victim. And so that, you know, when you're in the margins, you, you see that reality. And so God comes and in solidarity with the broken humanity, right. he says, I'm not only going to say love the poor, and you get a minister, but he becomes poor. He becomes poor. And he actually allows himself to be subjected to this criminal's death, kangaroo court, yes. uh, just uh, like a common criminal. Uh, and, and it's on that cross, on the place of, uh, of uh, execution, Golgotha, mm -hmm. uh, where hundreds and hundreds of people are crucified probably every year. 
and and that is the place that Jesus decides to bring some uh, redemption and salvation for the entire world. I think that's a scandalous story, right. you know. Right. And and yet we kind of forget how unceremonial it is. Yes, you know. But this makes me uncomfortable because I am a country club Christian. Yeah, yeah. And I enjoy um, my life uh, and my wealth and my opportunities and all of those sorts of things. I also have a conscience. Yeah. What do you want me to know and people yeah. like me, Noel? Yeah, yeah. I mean, we're, how, how, how do we care for our soul if we are going to claim the name Christian yeah. in a culture like ours? Yeah, I, I think that um, we need to we need to just recognize um, the um, the predicament we're in right. as Western Christians, you mm -hmm. know, and, and just be honest about that. Mm -hmm. uh, like in Luke chapter four, when Jesus announces his ministry, right. uh, he quotes from Isaiah sixty-one, right? right? Uh, I've come to preach good news to the poor. And, and then, uh, you know, uh, release the captive, uh, mm -hmm. bind up the brokenhearted. There's a little one line that says to open the eyes of the blind. Yes. That is not in Isaiah 61. Mm -hmm. Okay, so if you go back and study mm -hmm. that passage, not, I've, I've often asked why, you know, what's, what's going on? Well, if you, if you read the, the Gospel of Luke, you see all these encounters that Jesus has uh, with very, very, uh, you know, sinful and uh, untouchable people, yes. and they're usually very inviting, yes. and not you know they're not confrontive. Right. Uh, the confrontive uh, encounters are with religious leaders, mm -hmm. and so I think what 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 uh, I be I've begun to really believe that the the blindness reference is to kind of make us aware that you know what when we think we have the answer. And when we think we're the ones that, that steward the, the, you know, the grace of God, uh, we can really be blind to what he really came to do. And, and so, I, you know, I, I think that for me, uh, the more we know how desperate we are for the grace of God, the more we're generous with our life, okay? okay? And, and so, uh, and like, I think what I have to avoid Okay, we leave a move, lead a movement of thousands of people that have given their life to live in poor neighborhoods, right. right? But that doesn't make us closer to God. That doesn't bring salvation uh -huh. in and of itself, okay? okay. Uh, it's an invitation that I feel that God gives to us to say, look, here are my priorities, mm -hmm. and I've demonstrated them because, can you imagine like when 2,000 years ago that uh, did God know there'd be seven billion people on the planet right, right now, right. and the majority would be poor? Would be poor, you right, know. Right. So, so that invitation comes, and then the Holy Spirit moves in our hearts and says, "That's that's what I got to do." Okay, let's pick that up after a quick break. I want to talk in, uh, about this a little more about this uh, this notion of. Uh, the discrepancies in our world mm -hmm. between the rich and poor, and also those uh, who are coming to our country yeah. uh, with aspirations and are finding great frustration today. Right. Okay. Good.
Faith Housing Coalition Dallas provides transitional housing for families with access to case management, employment assistance, budgeting assistance, and counseling for children and teens. For more information and to support Interfaith Housing Coalition, visit the website or call. Noel, you were talking earlier about your parents and mm -hmm. your grandparents and great-grandparents and, and this um, this growth that they were able to achieve where they were able to have a better life than their parents and grandparents. And, and uh, I, I know that in the Latino community there is uh, a feeling of whiplash that people have about mm -hmm. Uh, are they welcome or are they not? Are they, yeah. uh, are they needed, are they wanted, or are they not? Mm -hmm. For example, going back to World War II, yeah. uh, in building this country, there was a tremendous need for workers. Yeah. And the, the railroad, whole, the and, railroad yeah. and the like, our industrial world yeah. was built. Yeah. Much of America was built by the braceros, right? Mm -hmm. that, mm -hmm. that is to say, the, the, the day laborer, the workers. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And from Mexico, what's how many how many came would you say over that period of time i, I think uh, it, it was probably uh, at least a couple million yes you know so right. it, which back then was a lot of people but yeah. this program ends about 1964 mm -hmm. right and mm -hmm. so now there is a kind of back and forth whenever the economy needs more workers we yeah. sort of lighten up and we say well let's find a way and then when other cultural things begin to happen, we begin to tighten up. We're in a real tight place right now oh, yeah. about immigration policy, mm -hmm. refugee status. Yeah. We're down at the border and we're, um, we're now dividing children from their parents right. yeah. when they move in. So, you know, I, I think it would be helpful for people to hear from a Latino mm -hmm. uh, what it's like for people who believe that they have opportunity to come here. Yeah. Why do they come? Why do they come even we, because they can't wait illegally? They come across the border mm -hmm. uh, seeking jobs. What's, it, what's happening in the human heart and in their families to drive them to do so? Yeah, I, I I think when you when you uh, understand that every day there, there's about 80 million people migrating throughout the world. Yes. I mean, migration is a common reality, mm -hmm. and it's because of poverty, because of war, because of political persecution. It's and it's also because of uh, uh, of the human spirit yes. wanting to achieve aspiration, and, and aspiration, which is what a lot of our country is uh, is built mm -hmm. on. And, and so that reality uh, means that uh, it shouldn't surprise us that with the close proximity to the southern border of Mexico and, and Latin America that, boy, you know, there's going to be uh, movement right. and uh, there's going to be people that uh, are going to come to seek a, a better life. Uh, my parents came because it was easy to come, you yes. know, my grandparents, uh, right. great-grandparents. Uh, I, I, I'm here, and being here in Dallas, I think about uh, the the year of 9-11, nine, nine, uh, yes. okay, uh, 2001, I think. Right. Uh, we had our conference right here, mm. and we had a hotel that we had booked up, and we had to get out of it because of making changes. It, it, we, we, there's an uh, act of God provision mm -hmm. and war, mm -hmm. uh, you know, right. and so we were able to do that. But um, if you remember, there was some really historic talks between a former governor of Texas and a former 
governor of Guanajuato, mm -hmm. a neighboring yes. Mexican state, right. Vicente Fox and George Bush, right. who both understood and yes. uh, and knew the realities of mm -hmm. of, uh, of the Mexican uh, migration and the need for labor, they were about to overhaul and make a big change in immigration and right. 9 the guest worker program. Yep, yeah. 9 11 happens and and, and it blows up. up. It yes. blows up, and now terrorism. Yes. You know the fear of terrorism, of but but I think yeah you, you mentioned the, the Bracero program, but it's it's uh, when you think about 60, 50 to sixty percent of all agricultural workers are mm -hmm. undocumented. Undocumented. Yes. Everybody knows that, right? Yeah. So there's a there's a, a like a friend of mine likes to say there's a sign at the border that says uh, you know on one side keep out, yes. and then you turn the sign around and says uh, help wanted. You yes. know, because we need workers, right. and um, with so many proposals over the last, you know, since the Reagan amnesty program, mm -hmm. um, I don't know that we lack how to fix the system, but there's a lot of politics. Okay, yes. uh, like one of the big factors that we have to really reckon with is that there's an economic uh, kind of uh, advantage to undocumented immigration right. because many people can hire folks at lower wages, they can cheat them of wages, they can take advantage, not provide any uh, uh, health benefits at all. And I, I was in Los Angeles recently talking to a group that advocates for do, um, domestic workers, $25 million a week in wage theft for the domestic workers in Los Angeles, mm -hmm. just in that mm -hmm. one city. So what that means is, you know, we basically have this underclass of 12 million people that yes. are in our country, and and uh, I think uh, we should be concerned yes. that we have a, a class of people that are in our country that we don't quite know who they are. Mm -hmm. uh, they have some kind of social security number. They're contributing to that social but they'll never body. receive any benefits from <laughs> exactly. it. Exactly. Right. Which right. a lot of people. Which actually helps the social security system, yeah. uh, but hurts them. Yes. So there, there's arguments that are logical. Yes. On all sides of this, and mm. there's not really two sides, right? right? There are right. many sides right. to it. Right. There's there's the religious argument about the dignity of every human being right, and our right, neighbors and right. welcoming strangers. And then yeah. there's the economic argument that actually can go both ways. We need workers for our businesses, but we're also ending up, you know, we do end up paying for hospital visits in the emergency room yeah. and public education and those sorts of things. Uh, the, there's all the social um, implications of it as well. Uh, but can you name uh, in the Latino community, what what's the the greatest hope for change? If you could say in the Latino community, if if America would do this, yeah. it would be the greatest boon to our um, self-esteem, to the opportunity that we have. What would what would yeah. be the outlook? Yeah, I ask that question to uh, immigrant uh, men and women all the time. Right. You know, what what, what do you want? America to know. Right. I, I did a walk from uh, the border of, of Mexico, U.S., Tijuana to mm -hmm. downtown L.A., 150 miles with about 300 people. Wow. Just not to protest, right. but to Learn. go in solidarity with yeah. our uh, immigrant brothers and sisters that have to make a journey like that. Right. 
And uh, I think this one gentleman who was uh, working in, in landscape at Solomon, went mm -hmm. and talked to him, filmed him. He said, what, I, what we want, what I want is give me the opportunity to work and, and, and don't uh, think that I've come to take from the United States. I've come to give the United <laughs> States, okay? I mean, that's the overwhelming sentiment okay. I get from folks Good. that I meet every day. It's, it's mm -hmm. we're, we're here to do better, right. uh, to, to work for the welfare of, of this country, and we're not asking for a handout. Right. We don't want a handout. Right, right. And there are, we have to be honest, there's, there, in our community, we have a clinic that we fund, mm -hmm. okay, uh, through some, uh, insurance, government funding, and and private funding, but we take care of many undocumented folks that come to the clinic. They have to pay something, okay? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's not that we don't know how to, t we're talking about 12 million out of 300 million people. Right. right. I mean, it, it, it doesn't add up the, the, uh, the fear the, the kind of the scapegoating that we put on this group of people that mostly like even as we're here, every hotel worker that I've seen is an immigrant. Yes. The person serving us coffee at the Starbucks is an immigrant. My cab, my Uber driver was an immigrant. Uh, you know, it's just yeah. everywhere. The, the restaurant workers. The country would be at a standstill. Absolutely. If we, yeah. If yeah. we close the borders, okay. Yeah. So. Uh, this program is called Good God. So mm -hmm. we're talking about the yeah. common good yeah. and about how our faith yeah. really motivates us to see the world differently. You talked about blindness earlier. The first thing is to actually see the world as it is, right? right? right. And then to imagine yeah. how the world might be. Yeah. So in the Jesus story, yeah. we have plenty of language of right. in, the, in the narrative of refugee status, right. Of, right. Of, of his being cared for by others, of, yeah. of, of uh, moving across borders, that sort of thing. When you need the most inspiration to keep your hopes built up, what do you go back to? What do you rely on in your faith narrative? Yeah, I, I, I think it's, it's the, uh, the core uh, reality of God's um, constant love for those that nobody else uh, mm. loves, the rejected, okay. the marginalized. I, because what that says is that, uh, wow, you know, uh, there's, there's no one that's outside of God's care and, mm -hmm. and redemption and, and, and uh, that he, I mean, that's the spirit that he's put into us. It's not optional. It's not no. that God came no. to us to establish a bulwark of first all of the respectable people and to create all the institutions yeah. that then would, would, would go about the work of, of including others. Yeah. It, it actually starts on the margins, yeah. right? And yeah. so God comes uh, from the margins in, and our redemption is really uh, found in yeah. ag acknowledging that and yeah. being in partnership with. Yeah, I think I think the the, the vision uh, is is that vision of a, of a, of this new community, this yes. new beloved community, right. where it doesn't matter what 
status economically you are, what color you are, what language you speak, that mm -hmm. that uh, we, we because we are all under the stewardship of, of God and the Lordship of God, we were able to steward resources, share with one another, uh, you know, uh, create opportunities for each other. Not, it's, not, it's not a handout. I, I think what we don't see in, in, in Scripture is this charity, okay, uh, I am going to feel good about myself by right. seeing you as lower than me and right. I'm going to, you know, poor you. Right. It, it, it's, a, it's a family. It's a yes. familia. And, right. and we, we, we get to love each other. We get, we get to, you know, experience the ups and downs of all the relational stuff that has to happen. But uh, I, I just think it, it you know, it, it's the ability to, uh, to experience the goodness of God. Uh, I, I'm actually writing a new book right now. Okay. Yeah, uh, reading the Bible through Mexican American eyes. Well. Yeah, yeah. That's, all right. That'll be the subtitle. Uh, but one of the concepts I talk about is 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 a word pachanga. Okay. okay which means like a party, a okay. fiesta. All right. And that's what God is ultimately leading us towards, and and you see all the parables about the banquets and the, mm -hmm. and the weddings and mm -hmm. but Bajanga is this uh, it, it's the image in the in the community is it's it's like the the uh, quinceanera the wedding right. it's a party that doesn't end very soon yes. right and everyone's got food everyone's invited you come and it's it's I think what uh, what part of God's redemptive uh, purposes and work is leading us towards is to be able to celebrate his goodness, to be able to celebrate that we have a good God, yes. right? That's big, that, you know, there's, there's enough of stuff for everybody. There's enough, uh, you know, uh, love to go around for all of us. And I am at a point where um, I, I don't like titles that much anymore except hey I'm, I'm a follower of Jesus de Nazareth you know Jesus, <laughs> Jesus of, of Nazareth you know I okay. mean who uh, I find hope in him I find Good. hope in his whole story his his uh, the, uh, you know how he lives how he loves Good. how he sacrificed himself thank you I think that's great news well, it is great news. And Pachanga? Pachanga. 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 Ah, I've got to get my pronunciation yeah, down. Yeah. But even before I can say it, I know it's a party. Yeah. And we're all invited. Yes. And let's begin it now. Yeah. Thank Amen. you, Noel. Yeah. Glad yeah, to have you with yeah. us. Thanks. Okay. Faith Housing Coalition Dallas provides transitional housing for families with access to case management, employment assistance, budgeting assistance, and counseling for children and teens. For more information and to support Interfaith Housing Coalition, visit the website or call 303-566-1800.